everybody, it's Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, we preview the UFC 265 card. We give our reactions to Nico Montagna and whether she's the most unheralded champion in UFC history. Also, I answer your questions for the midweek mailbag. Starting to focus a little bit today, right? Starting to get, all right, fight week, looking towards Saturday, looking toward a pay-per-view. That's usually a big deal, right? UFC pay-per-views, usually a big deal. It's an easy week for me generally. But the UFC is just not doing me any favors this week. They're not thinking about my emotional pain because this is a card that looks like a really, really solid fight night card. I'm going to play a little game, right? You guys love it when I play a game. Every time I say I'm going to play a game, uh, something inside KOB just tenses. Like, he gets nervous about it because you never know exactly where I'm going to go with this. But this is a game I want to play, okay? And this will should point out the strengths and weaknesses of this card. See what I'm saying? This, I, I, I'm going all around the world, but there's, there's a thing here. And what I want to hear at the end, is if you are buying UFC 265, one eight seven seven fight ninety three, one eight seven seven three four 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 eight nine three. I'll take your calls after the break. But Ariel, are you ready? One to ten. What would you call your level of UFC fandom and knowledge base? One to ten. Fandom. Yeah. Maybe like an eight knowledge base. Probably around a six. Great. Great. Okay. So you're excited about certain fights, but you don't know everybody, right? KOB, you got to be a 10 on both those scales simply through osmosis. You have to do this for a living. So you know a lot more fighters than everybody else. And even if you're not excited about somebody, you tend to, you tend to know about them. And like a Connor fight is big for us. It makes for an easy week, but you're not a mark that goes off the rails for a Connor fight, right? You consider your knowledge base pretty high. Yes, I would say so. All right. So here's the game we're going to play. I'm going to throw out a name. Ariel, you tell me as a comparatively casual fan if you know, if, if this name rings a bell to you, if you know who this person is. KLB, you're a knowledgeable fan. How excited are you about this person? Right? That's the game. You ready, Ariel? Are you prepared? Bobby yes. Green. No. She's shaking her head. She has no idea who that is. KLB, you know who it is. How excited are you to see him? Excited to see him, but amped for the guy he's fighting. Who looks Fiziev like is yeah, who looks so like fun a, to watch. A beast right now. Absolute monster, right? That's another one. Do you know who Rafael Fiziev is? Or it's Rafael because he's, he's not Brazilian. Okay, you have no idea. He's from Kyrgyzstan. Um, KOB, you love him, yeah? Oh, he looks like a monster. So oh, it's an absolute monster. Great Muay Thai. Incredible reflexes. The dude's a beast, okay? Ariel, Tisha Torres. I know her. Know of her, right? How excited yeah. are you to see her? Not very much. KOB, same question. Tisha, I know you know her. How excited are you to see her? Well, see, again, I feel like these are uh, – I, I don't feel like you're throwing it out to me in the right way. It's not so much am I excited to see them, but I love the pairing with right, her. Like this Hill. fight. Right, right. Yes. All right, Angela, uh, Angela Hill, friend of the show. Absolutely love her. What do you think of Angela Hill, Ariel? I actually like her a lot. Right. Very, very likable. KB, I don't need to ask you. You love Angela Hill. We love Angela Hill. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill. That, that's going to be a fun one. Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque. So I'm going to throw him out as fights. Ariel, 
Do you know these people? Are you excited to watch them fight? I know Kiesa because he was the winner of the Ultimate Fighter in the past, right? <sighs> yes. Okay, yes. And I'm somewhat excited about it. All right, KOB, excitement level on this one? Pretty high. It's, a, it's an interesting style matchup. It's Kiesa's grappling versus uh, Luke striking. Right, exactly. Jose Aldo versus Pedro Munoz. Ariel? Yes, of course, of course. L- you love Jose Aldo or do you like this, this fight itself? No, I actually like the fight itself. Pedro Munoz, it's going to be an excellent one. All right. KOB, your level. I feel like I should be more amped for this fight than I actually am. I just feel like, despite being competitive, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we've Aldo's seen the, the yeah. best of Joe De Aldo. Yeah. Jose Aldo, we've seen what he's going to do. He was the best featherweight of all time, and this is the back nine of his career. And there's a reason I'm doing this the way I am, people. And I'll explain it right after the minute. Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gaon. Uh, Ariel? I'm looking forward to it. You're looking forward to it. Don't get so excited you blow your microphone out, okay? Uh, KOB? I mean, I kind of feel like I know how it's going to go. Okay. The problem with this card that I'm trying to point out is there's enough name recognition that Ariel goes, I know this person. I am aware of Michael Chiesa. I'm aware of Vicente Luque, right? I don't necessarily know a lot about Ed Herman. I mean, I've heard the name, Ed Shortfuse Herman, okay. But hardcores are kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, I mean, Jose Aldo, Pedro Munoz, that might be fun, but Jose's, Jose Aldo's past is prime. Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque, I think is the best potential fight on the card. It certainly means the most. The heavyweight main event is a, a bit interesting. I think the fact they're throwing a freaking title on this is absurd and detracts from the fight. It doesn't have that casual main event pop to make Ariel go, can't miss this weekend. And it doesn't have the stakes that are real. Obviously, there's a fake belt on the line to make someone like KLB go, oh, this is under the radar. But boy, fight dorks like me are really into it. It somehow misses both of those categories. There's just enough name value that I that I know all these people, or of course I know them, but like a, a casual fan, no, oh yeah, Jose Aldo, I know him. Michael Chiesa, I know him. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill, I know them, right? Derek Lewis, that's the guy who says funny stuff. But Ariel wasn't over the moon about any of these people. Is Ariel indicative of that? I don't know, but your average casual fan just went, yes, you know, I, I'm aware of these some of these people. But I'm not, this is must-see TV, going to be at Buffalo Wild Wings, won't miss a minute of it. It's not like that. And every now and then, there are those cards that, you know, casuals aren't real excited about, but hardcore fans are super into. This isn't one of those either, right? I'm not anti-Jose Aldo, but let's face it, he's not what he used to be, okay? Tisha Torres, Angela Hill, I think. Tisha Torres, Angela Hill, Michael Chiesa, Vicente Luque are the two fights that, to me, are the most interesting as a, as a hardcore fan. Derek Lewis, Cyril Gaon, yes, that could be interesting. I think the, the UFC really flubbed it, making this for a an interim title belt that pisses off a lot of hardcore fans, to be honest with you. So, it, like I said, it, it misses the mark across, uh, across a wide swath of fans. 
It doesn't have the one main event that's going to get the guy from 7-Eleven, and it doesn't have the hardcore, big-time stakes interest that is going to catch a hardcore fan. KOB, am I out of my mind? But it seems like it misses the boat on a couple of different fronts. Usually one group of fans is going to be excited about, let's let's restate this, a pay-per-view that costs, what, $70? You're asking a lot of people. I think it kind of misses both categories that buy pay-per-views. It's just weird for me now. I feel like I don't have an accurate sense of the pulse anymore because there's so many events and we're coming off one and going right into another one. It's midweek, so sometimes these things take a while. Like, if it's not a Conor McGregor card, it just takes a while to really feel it. But it does feel like this pay-per-view coming up still feels like a little bit of an afterthought. Like, I I wonder how many people even realize that this pay-per-view is this weekend. Probably not a lot, but the people that do realize it, who's excited? It's not a matter, like, yeah, it's under the radar. I I do agree with that. But we've seen better cards, KOB, that didn't get ramped up till Thursday, Friday. Right. And we're sitting yeah. here on a Wednesday, which we often do, and go, God, I'm just I'm not feeling it, but man, that's a good main event. Man, that's a good co main. It kind of takes a second sometimes for the fan base to catch up to what's happening this weekend. I yeah. don't feel that with this one. I don't feel, wow, come tomorrow and Friday, we're really gonna get an uptick in interest here. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Because as you you know as, as as we're saying quite clearly, this is a fight night card that costs seventy dollars. That's what it looks like to me. If you threw a decent main event onto this thing, right? Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, all right, Dustin Poirier versus Charles Oliveira. If you threw that as a main event, it's a great card. Man, this is really worth seventy dollars. But right as it stands, it isn't. And I don't think all the frosting in the world, I don't think all the promotion in the world, I don't think all the pre-fight hype that is so fun, that's not going to mean anything. They're going to get have a packed house in Houston simply because of Derek Lewis. They're going to get a packed house. They'll do well on ticket sales. As far as pay-per-views go, I think it's going to be pretty dismal. Will they lose money? No. But they're not going to make a lot of money. It's, it just is what it is. It's a thrown-together card that Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gunn was going to be kind of the, all right, we'll put a belt on these guys just because we don't believe necessarily in Amanda Nunes' ability to, um, to, 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 to main event a card on her own, and then that fell apart. I, I, I don't see this coming back in the next couple days. I don't see this like building a bunch of hype and juice and momentum in the next couple days. You know our code word. You know our code. K-O-B it. Right? You might K-O-B it. I don't know what that means. KOB does, you know, sometimes KOB just turns off his computer and there's you, a link yeah. for, there, and there's the, a link, right? There's just a link and it takes me to the fight somehow without having to pay for it. It's a weird thing, but I, I, my head is totally legal. So I didn't, I didn't put this, I didn't put the stream up. There's just a link there that I clicked and, right. and oh, oh my God, UFC. Like, what do you know? <laughs> Who would have thunk it, right? So there are a lot of ways nowadays to not pay for a pay-per-view. And if you are not paying for a pay-per-view, we can just say your KOB in it. I don't know what that means. You don't know what that means. Ariel doesn't know what that means. Okay. But I want to know if you are shelling out 70 hard-earned dollars. Also, what is just, you know, the problem moving forward with this kind of entertainment is highlights are pretty good the next day. Right? You want to know what happened. There are a million platforms to know what happened. This isn't when I was a kid in the 80s, and if you missed it on TV, you never got to see it again. 
Does it work that way? Does not work that way. So it's just I don't see, and to your point earlier, KOB, uh, a, a fan base that is deluged almost every weekend with fight cards getting ramped up about this dismal, awful pay-per-view. I don't see it. And I think one of the few times in UFC history, the fact that this is for an interim title, that there is going to be gold around someone's waist after this, I don't think is is a positive. In fact, I think it's a negative. I think a lot of people see this as an attempt to screw Francis Ngannou or get some leverage on Francis Ngannou. And considering Francis Ngannou could be a star for the UFC, and fans are, you know, it's a loyal fan base, I think more people are pissed off about this than not. And that's extremely rare in terms of mixed martial arts, particularly the UFC. New titles are not, they don't happen every week. They don't happen all the time. And I think it's 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 a distraction. I think it's a negative. I think most fans aren't going to like it. So all those things together, I think we have a terrible pay-per-view, and I don't think a lot of people pay for it. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. In case you've been living under a rock uh, for the last week, Nico Montano, former champion, removed from UFC Vegas 33, fifth time in a row. She's been booked and yet unable to compete. I I don't remember a streak like that ever. Ever. I'm looking right now to MMAfighting.com. While a disastrous weight cut stopped Montano from competing this past weekend, she's also suffered through injuries, a car accident, COVID-19-related cancellations, as well as travel restrictions that prevented her from making it to a fight. You, uh, Of course, weight issues cost Montano her UFC flyweight title in 2017 after she was crowned as the first ever women's champion at 125, only to be stripped of the belt 10 months later when she was just hours away from stepping on the scale for a fight against Valentina Shevchenko. She ended up in the hospital following a particularly brutal weight cut in which... Uh, which in turn cost her her title since Montano has only competed one time, losing to Juliana Pena, the last one. I'm not, this is not a typo. I'm not misreading it. Seven pounds over for a bantamweight fight. Seven pounds over. On the scale, she weighed 143 pounds. So first, here's what she had to say about it. Hi, all this off our official IG. Hi, all of my supporters. I wanted to give a PSA on what happened. I was dedicated through camp to this fight, training four hours a day, including my my fasted four to five mile runs. And unfortunately, after years of cutting, uh, cutting hard, my by. All right. I, I think she meant to say my metabolic system is not catching up with what efforts I've been putting in. So I've been eating less for my workout sessions, training up until I had to come to the quarantine bubble, and had to start my cut pretty high. I've done this cut before, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out this time around. I think the most important thing for me to do is focus on getting my weight down healthily. Believe me, I didn't want this to happen and did everything in my power to make sure I didn't. But sometimes life kicks you in the balls over and over and over. 
I'm learning that it's only making me stronger and more resilient for what's to come. And I only hope that anyone going through a rough patch in their lives does what I do. Pick yourself up and believe in yourself to get through the tough times because there's going to be plenty more. But patience is key in becoming the best version you can be. Okay. How do I unpack that? Um, it's... You you didn't make weight. You didn't make weight by seven effing pounds, which isn't even close. You shouldn't be like. I mean, seven pounds is a couple a, a day before, a couple days before at this weight class, right? You shouldn't be this high to where a cut should get you a, a, a cut should get you closer than seven. Any cut should get you closer than seven. I just don't. I don't, I don't know. Unless you had some major injury, unless something really went wrong, point like I broke something, and then Anthony Smith said on um, on MMA Today about uh, Conor McGregor. Oh, I had a, a fractures in my shin and all this stuff. And he said, "Look, everybody's hurt. Everybody has something. Everybody has all these problems that prevent them from doing X, Y, and Z." And yet. One of the things they almost always do is make weight. I just don't know, before we get into the UFC's reaction to this, how much sympathy we're supposed to have. And I'm going to go to the UFC's reaction, then I'll expand on what I'm saying a, a little bit more. This is Dana White via UFC Arabia on Nico Montano. Let's hit it. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but like... Over three or four of her fights have been canceled. Um, you know, I, I think that no matter what weight class you put her at, she seems to have a hard time making weight. Um, you know, this might not be the sport for her. Well, it isn't anymore, at least not in the UFC. Uh, the UFC releases former flyweight champion Nico Montano. She is done. Let go by the promotion with a record of four and three after coming in seven pounds overweight. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do. I have to be honest with you. Um, it's like someone being late to work every single day. I, You have to get to work on time. I, I don't know what to tell you. There are always issues, always problems. You know, it's sometimes people miss weight. It happens. How sympathetic can we be about a job you chose to do in a weight class that was ultimately your decision? I don't know how sympathetic we're supposed to be. And a, a lot of this week, obviously, since, you know, Simone Biles' decision to, to pull out of the Olympics, she ended up coming back, winning bronze on the beam. Congratulations for her. Is a, a side note of this is how much we have a right to criticize an athlete that we're not. I mean, I was, but an athlete, when we haven't competed and we haven't competed at the level they've competed at, how much do we have a right to judge them? I think we have a pretty good right simply because fighters and athletes and promotions and leagues ask us to get emotionally involved in the success and performances of people, of their athletes. You can't have us get emotionally involved without us caring, without us being critical of certain things. Now, what the limit of that is, is up to you, and it's different for everybody. But if your house is on fire, and the fire department shows up 
And the guy gets off the truck and says, well, I'm not going near that house, man. It's on fire. I'm not doing that. And I go, yeah, but you got to put my house out. Well, you haven't done this. You don't know. Yeah, I didn't choose to be a fireman. You did. I didn't choose to be a mixed martial artist. You did. Part of that is you got to make weight. That's the simplest part of the job. You can have a bad day. You can do a lot of stuff. The simplest thing does suck, but the simplest thing is making weight. It's like showing up to work on time. It's the simplest, most obvious thing you can do. You can F up a lot of things after that. But the whole, like, you know, it just didn't work out. Well, don't know what to tell you. You know, I don't, it, it, it just stretches my ability to be sympathetic when it's, well, you know, I, I did my best. Five times you couldn't fight. You lost your title because you couldn't make weight. You moved up in weight class and still couldn't make weight. At the end of the day, it is the be- bread and butter simplest part of doing your job effectively, and you couldn't do it. I don't feel particularly sympathetic. I just don't. And yeah, I used to do it, so I have more right to complain than other people. I was a wrestler. I was a mixed martial artist. I never missed weight once, okay? But I, I, it just seems to me like her whole, like, you know, being the best version of myself and it makes me stronger. Like, okay, okay. I, you know, I didn't ask for a self-help book, okay? And that's so incredibly social media is, oh, and I'm stronger and better, blah, 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 blah. I didn't, I'm not reading the four agreements here, people. Just... You didn't make weight. It sucks. People don't write a self-help book when they're late for work. You're just late for work, and I'm sorry. Okay? Ariel, you are laughing your ass off right now. What do you – you're a right in the sweet spot of this generation that would do something like this. What do you think of that? No, yeah, because I completely agree with you. Uh, it is a very social media thing to say nowadays. Like, I even find myself saying it like, oh, it's all about becoming the best me. And it's like – yeah, shut it can up. Get yeah, a little overplayed. Over, yeah, but like you missed weight. You didn't do your job effectively, right? Like it, you did. It's like, yeah, man, not showing up to work. I took that time to realize that I can be better. Like, no, you just were late for work. Don't give me this high horse bullshit. I, I hate. Like, I know I'm old and I sound like an old man right now. I hate that. You just. Effed up. Just say, I'm sorry I effed up. Not, and this makes me stronger for the trials that are overcome. The little girls reading this, you can be better. Like, shut up! You just didn't effing make weight. Right? Is it just me? KOB, come on, help me out here, dude. It's just, I, I, get, in, I get furious reading that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like... If this were her first miss, it's it's a lot more forgivable. Sure, like, it happens, right? Yeah. She then she's had a rough rough run of luck, some of which was not her fault, some of which it some of which is. But it's like you moved up in weight and you're still coming in like not two pounds heavy, not three pounds heavy. And I know the weight cutting process is different for women than it is for men. Seven pounds. Yeah. It's a like I've watched a million female athletes come in on weight. So I'm I'm kind of losing that sympathy to a degree, but like I think it was Dominic Cruz, and I can't remember what fight it was. It's like, dude, anything up to three pounds can be an accident or a bad weight cut. Anything over that, and you didn't, you either didn't, truly didn't do it right or didn't even try. So seven right. pounds, like I don't have much sympathy. Like that's way. It was too Mackenzie much. Dern, I think he said that about. 
Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because she missed it by a lot once. It was like five pounds. He's like, dude, you have a huge, you're cheating. Remember, he yeah. went on that range, like, you're cheating. You're cheating. It's like bringing, you know, a weapon into the ring. You're, you're five to seven pounds heavier than the person. Yeah, it's like anything over three, you did it on purpose. Like, you just didn't feel like weight cutting. And Seven. To, to, as someone who did it, man, yeah, I agree. Like, that's ridiculous. I came in heavy twice in my wrestling run. One was because the scale I had at school was different than the scale. We, we were doing a match at a, at a different school. Their scale was heavy, or at least our scale was light. I don't know what it was, but I was over there. They were different, yeah. Yeah. The second time was I was cutting my junior year 12 pounds to make my weight class day in, day out. And I had done everything that I was normally doing for uh to, to cut weight and i actually called my coach and was like look i've done everything i normally do to cut to, to cut this weight i'm usually on weight right now i still have another six pounds to go if you want me to cut it i'll cut it but i don't know how much use i'm going to be to you tomorrow so it's up to you or what you want to do he told me screw it just come in we'll bump you up I, i'd rather have you at full strength than just completely depleting yourself yeah. so one so one was sanctioned by my coach and another one i was heavy um and, and you were in high school. Yeah, in high school. And if he told me I need you, at, I need you at one forty-five. I would have made that weight. Like I would have done everything I can to make that weight, and I would have been on point. So, as someone who did it, man, I died seven pounds over, man. I don't have that sympathy. Like I don't. I, I'm sorry to see that. Like you know, she she came in as the champion, and she's had a rough run. But like, get, you're a professional. I know. Maybe you don't have the money to hire a perfect nutritionist to get that done, but like you should have it dialed in at this point. You've been around long enough. I will make a a pronouncement right now, and I want your thoughts on it. One eight seven seven fight ninety three. One eight seven seven three four 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 eight nine three. I'm gonna ask you, but you know my opinion on it. I think she's the most unheralded MMA champion. In UFC history. I think she is the worst champion in UFC history. The most forgettable. I forgot for like a, when the, oh cuts former champs. Like, oh yeah, that's right. She was on the champion. I forget. Partly because Valentina owned that division, made that division her biatch, right? Which is why she's been she's such a dominant champ. But the one before it was who? Oh, that's right. Nick, I, I forget she's a champion all the time. Four and three in her MMA career. A footnote at best. It's going to be a trivia question someday. Who was the first UFC flyweight champion? You know who's going to get it right? Nobody. Nobody. I guarantee you I won't be around when they ask that question. But that will be like the trivia pursuit question about MMA is going to be that. Who was the 125-pound, the inaugural 125-pound champion? Oh, man, Nico Montana. I forgot about that. Is she... The least regarded UFC champion of all time. I think she is. I think she is. KOB, what are your thoughts on it? It's hard to think of somebody who had a worse run, who had a worse record. And I'm talking the modern era of MMA, right? Let's say the past 10, 15 years. Okay? Can you think anybody? Well, here's the funny thing about it. I'm actually like kind of go, trying to go through lists of like you know other websites what they posted are like the worst UFC champions of all time. I'm not even seeing her on some of these. So either they were out before she won the title, or or they forgot point, about her. Yeah, or to your point, they forgot she's even won a title, and she's being left off lists. So for that reason, I say you might be right. Like she might be the most unheralded, most forgotten about UFC champion. Yeah, and I look at these lists. 
And some of them are completely unfair. I'm seeing top 10 lists where she's not even on there. And that's, they must have literally forgotten about her. They must have literally forgotten she was champion. Because there are champs out here that are, you know, Tim Sylvia is on this list. He won it twice, three times. Like, you know, at the time, wasn't bad, right? It's ridiculous. So this was a guy who was, you know, a factor for a long time. Won the rematch against Arlovsky. Like, okay, it wasn't that bad. And he's below Nika Montano? I don't think so. I think they forgot about her. I really did. That's insane. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. This first question comes from Travis, who says, uh, hey, Jimmy, why is everyone sleeping on Oliveira and just assuming that Poirier is going to beat him for the championship? Why is the disrespect so real? Well, I, I think it's because of his past. What, like, have you ever heard the expression, you only get one chance to make a first impression? You ever heard that? You only get one chance to make a first impression. Charles Oliveira made an impression with the fans, fair or not, that he was a quitter. That when pushed hard, he would break. And I don't think that's fair, but it was the hallmark of his early career. Every step-up fight. He was just a late bloomer, right? He was a late bloomer. He really went on his run late in his career. So in the beginning of his career, he lost to a lot of guys who weren't as talented that, let's be frank, he should have beaten. And it's almost like being a, a... I don't know, a, a juvenile delinquent kid. You can straighten up as an adult, but people that remember you from back in those days will always see you as a punk. Okay? Just is. Lost to Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone, Cub Swanson, Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, Paul Felder. All right? That is not the resume of losses. When you look at the losses, of an all-time great. All-time greats don't lose to those guys. They don't. I don't care what point of your career it was. You know, usually when you have the record he had heading into the Clay Guida fight, right? When he having the record he had at that time, you're an also ran. You're good, not great. You're this, not that. He had always kind of been in that category. And the fact that he's more skilled than that category, and the fact that he got out of that category, doesn't make people forget. They always, well, remember when Paul Felder elbowed him in a fight he was winning and he collapsed? Remember that? Fans do, because that was our one of our, you know, I don't say first impressions, but our impression that was made of Charles Oliveira. You push him, he's going to fold. Who pushes harder than Dustin Poirier? Yeah, crickets. Nobody. Nobody. So part of the reason he's disrespected is what he did early in his career. Part of the reason he's disrespected against, against um, Poirier is Poirier is exactly the kind of guy, if there are cracks in your foundation in terms of your willingness to go forward and push hard, he's going to find them. Much like a Justin Gaethje, he's going to push and push and push, and if you doubt yourself and if something's wrong, we're going to find out. That's the combination where people are looking past Charles Oliveira, but I am not. Next. This comes from a loyal listener in front of the show, Giver Saint, 
who says, uh, hey, Jimmy, my rap and combat MMA Twitter friend says that flukes do not exist in MMA. Is he right, or am I stupid for believing that the results of how certain things occur in MMA can be fluky? There, No, flukes exist in sports, period. Okay? Flukes exist in sports, period. So, by definition, they have to exist in MMA. What's your definition of a fluke? That's the problem. Okay? What's your definition of a fluke? That defines whether or not a particular fight is a fluke. But to say they don't exist, that's not true. You can be getting your ass handed to you, come up with a one punch and knock somebody out when you weren't looking, and win. Fluke, the definition of a fluke, in my opinion, and feel free to argue with this, and KOB, I want to hear your opinion, is when it's the fighter who is clearly the inferior fighter does something that isn't necessarily... Um, because of their ability that causes them to win a fight. Is that a fair definition of fluke? You weren't the better fighter by almost anyone's estimation in that fight, and you did something. It wasn't something you pulled out, some special move you had. You Something allowed you to win that fight that wasn't necessarily because of you. Does that make sense? <sighs> to a degree. like I, I, you know, I'll kind of go back to what I was saying about Yaya Rodriguez and how I've never really bought into him. Like, I watched Korean Zombie beat him for five rounds. Beat the brakes off him, yeah. Yeah, and then he finds that elbow. To me, that was... I've got four four rounds and four minutes to see that this guy was the better fighter, and you just pulled something out near the end that he just did a weird elbow and a weird sequence to finish the fight. Like, I don't know. I, I do think flukes exist. I think... It, I, yeah. You don't try to disrespect, but at the same time, it's like I saw, I saw a large body of work of, of how this fight was going, and you found something near the end that pulled it out. I don't know. There's times where I, I guess you could say that was a skilled move, and he figured out how to win. Kind of the same way, you know, Anderson Silva finds a triangle choke against Chael Sonnen to, to save that fight in the fifth round of their first fight. Some of The it, difference is Chael clearly blew that. Yeah. Any jujitsu novice. I was sitting there going, triangle's right there. I was, I was like screaming at my screen, going, dude, triangle, triangle. And he did it. So Anderson did what a fighter with any skill level would do in that position. So that's why, oh, my God, this weird fluke. Oh, listen, fluky. You know, Chael dropped the ball, and, and Anderson Silva picked it up. I think that was, was part of it for me in that case. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know how to, how to necessarily define fluke. It's just it's partially what you're saying, like, but I don't know. Like, there's weird things that happen in MMA where you're like, oh, that just saved this one for you. Like, it's it's, it's you, I think I think when you get that feeling, that's what it feels flukish. Of like, you were done until this last thing, and you lucked out. Like, this probably won't happen again in, a, in another fight. And you know, kind of the goofy injuries. Somebody twists their ankle or like ah, throws something weird, and, then, and like you know, twenty times. Out of 20, they win that fight, and they, they step funny and break. Not Conor McGregor, who, in my opinion, was losing the fight anyway. But, you know, freaky cuts, right? That's another thing that happened in this sport all the time is somebody gets cut in a fight that they were clearly winning, and the referee looks at it and goes, nope. I'm sorry, the doctor goes, nope. So flukes do exist. They exist in sports. They exist in combat sports. There's nothing we can do about them. And so they definitely exist here. I don't think there's there's really anything different. Next. Next. Uh, this comes from Josh in Massachusetts. Uh, Josh said, in Mass. Say it right, KLB. Say it again. Josh in Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, so this, uh, he says, dear Jimmy, 
at XMMA2 last week during his post-fight interview, Kyle Bokniak gave his wife props on giving birth to their first child a few weeks ago. While the comment might have been subtle, the moment really struck me because me and my wife are expecting a baby girl next week and it's Congratulations. our first child. Uh, so he's asking for your advice here. My question to you, what can I do to help my wife during labor? I'm not sure what to expect, bro. <laughs> Be there. Be there. It's, you know, like you can't do anything about it yourself. You can't help, right? But just knowing you're there and don't, like, I, I, I just, I, I don't panic. It's just not in me to panic. It's, it's, you know, so just looking over and seeing that rock and knowing hey, I'm right here. Blood doesn't freak me out. Not, you know, just nothing that can go wrong can affect you because it's going to affect her. She's the one suffering. She's the one going through it. Just being, it's like being a coach in MMA. I can't get in there and fight for you. Right. But that moment you turn around and go, where is that voice? Where is that person? Where? And you're right there. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And so if you are panicked and freaking out and scared and worried, I don't care. Do not show it to her because she's freaked out enough and she's scared enough and she's hurt enough. And that that's all because I've been a coach in MMA and I've you know I've been at a labor and similar kind of thing. I can't get in there and fight for you, but I'm going to be right here. If there's anything you need, I'm not going anywhere, and nothing's going to scare me. Nothing at all is going to scare me. Nothing at all is going to bother me. So just you know, I don't know, man. Drink Pepto Bismol. Do whatever you got to do. Have a strong stomach, and be ready to go. And that's all you can think about. That is my advice to everybody in that situation. Just be that emotional, physical rock. And just let her know that you're there for 100%. And no matter what happens, you're going to be there. No matter how bad it gets. Because it might get bad. Next. Oh, well, we go from questions for, uh, about children to a question from a concerned mother. So uh, this comes from Anne from Wichita, who says, Dear Jimmy. Anne from Wichita. Uh, my son is living his dream of fighting in regional fights, but I have been thinking about CTE. Uh, I read and keep up with combat sports and have seen some articles that concern me. Uh, I know my love of combat sports has probably brought us to this point. I found martial arts classes that I could afford, $5 a lesson at Parks and Rec or the after school care at Young Brothers in L.A. Murata, where his instructors were actually playing La Murata. La yeah, actually played putties on the Power Rangers what I could afford at the time, sometimes a backyard boxing gym. But what, as a mother, can I do to make sure he's safe, urge him to train with professionals, and have this ugly CTE conversation with him? That's it. He's got to train with the right people. The only thing anybody can do, because, you know, what I tell people who, who have worries about combat sports injuries and CTE and stuff, you're not ever meant to get hit in the head. Ever, under any circumstances. And we've made a sport out of getting hit in the head, where getting hit in the head is the whole point. Where the point, I hate to say this, is brain damage. Okay? The point of the sport is brain damage. That's what getting knocked out is. You can't do anything. You can't make him any safer. You can't make getting hit in the head less dangerous. All you can do, and I mean this if you are listening, is make sure he's with a team that doesn't do Dumb things in training. That's it. That's all you can do is go train with the right gym 
so that he's not taking the CTE-inducing shots when he doesn't absolutely have to. If he's with some Mickey Mouse gym, if he's with some mom-and-pop MMA gym, they might have him sparring every day and have him taking unnecessary risks with his brain. Usually, these days, really great teams don't do that. American Top Team doesn't train hard sparring every single day. Nobody does that anymore, right? Make sure he's with one of those teams. You can't make getting hit in the head safer. You can't, really. You can only make sure that he's with a team that isn't doing that all the time, that, that, that's, that's doing it sparingly. That's all you can do. So it's utcmailbag at gmail.com. Send in your questions. I'll answer them next week on Wednesdays. I love hearing from the fans. Love answering your questions. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Merck. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Andy King is director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation program director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts.